0: Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off, but hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in store clearance and baby. Today's sales leaders face a difficult task selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for managing sales teams and distribution channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me slash sales. That's hbs.me sales. Five,
1: five, four, four, three,
2: three, two, one, one.
1: When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and no one damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its
0: eyes were real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, the look, it was giving me. What were
1: you reporting? Jesus Christ, you bitch. Sheriff? Dia!
0: Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine. I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh oh.
2: Welcome to Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Sunday night. What a night. Uh, law enforcement night is what it is i'll be bringing dan on who is a uh, current law enforcement officer and he had shared with me a trail cam video that was taken and it's a very interesting video we'll we'll discuss it tonight if you get a chance go to sasquatchchronicles.com and it'll be underneath this episode i'll post the video but it's a very interesting uh, trail cam video and he kind of explains you know the videos they only go for five or ten seconds long uh because they're trying to catch drug runners coming through the area and they don't want to spend time having guys go out there every week replace sd cards Uh, so they leave them up have them run short but it's very interesting it it um when i look at it some people might disagree it kind of has an orangutan type look to it uh but it had thrown the the trail cam off the tree and then it appears to be burying it with leaves I mean, it's not concrete evidence by any means, but it's very interesting to look at. And he'll also be sharing with us uh, some of his encounters. I'll also be welcoming uh, Ryan to the show. Ryan is a former law enforcement officer. And you know, it it was really interesting to speak with Ryan when him and I spoke um, on the phone. He was talking about when you call the police department and you say you've seen Bigfoot or a UFO. What used to happen back then Uh, You'll want to stay tuned for that It's very, very interesting If you've had an encounter And you'd like to be on the show Shoot me an email My email address is Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com And again, if you get a chance Check out the website SasquatchChronicles.com Right around the beginning of September uh, We'll have merchandise up on the website Uh, Beanies, baseball tees, t-shirts All kinds of cool stuff uh, so if you get a chance, check that out. I'll let you know as soon as it becomes available. Pick yourself up something nice. Uh, it's great gear. I wear it. I actually wear it all the time. And it's not just because my laundry's not done. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> I actually enjoy the gear. Uh, and so if you get a chance, check that out right around September 1st. Let's jump into it tonight. I want to welcome uh, Ryan to the show. Ryan, thanks for coming on, brother.
0: Sure, man. Looking forward to it.
2: And if you would, uh, you know, I know you've had, um, you're a truck driver and, uh, you, you know, ex-military, you know, uh, you've been in law enforcement, you've done a lot of different things throughout your life. Having kind of a logical, I hate to say logical type career, uh, what got you interested in, into, uh, Sasquatch?
0: Well, it's, uh, been a hobby of mine since I was a kid, in fact. Uh, I'm not really sure what started me. It might've been The Legend of Boggy Creek when I was quite small, uh, all that to driving with my mother. I remember being terrified by it and of course was in search of and I've just got an interest in it most of my life as well as other things of that nature, the paranormal and whatnot. As I've gotten older here it's become more of an obsession since I've gotten to know other people interested in it I've actually gone out and done some research in the field.
2: And tell us about your tell us about your experiences going out there in the field. I know I'm going to be playing a rory you sent me here. That you captured out there in Arizona, but if you would, just kind of talk about some of your experiences out there.
0: Well, uh, like I said, I pretty recently got to go out with uh, a fellow that invited me to go out. He has a research group in the Arizona Monkey on Rim area and met him online three, four years ago. He invited me out with him to check out what he said was a hot spot and it, it wound up being a hot spot. Some other researchers are are in that area, it's the Tonto National Forest uh, near the Siskiyou National Forest, and the White River Apache Area Reservation of uh, the Mogollon Rim in Arizona, and it's a forested, rocky mountainous area. Unlike a lot of people believe, Arizona is all desert cactus. Uh, nothing like that. It's uh, it's very squatchy. I hate to use that term, but <laughs> it is. I only went out with them a handful of times. And due to personal differences, I will no longer go out there with him. However, it is a good spot. Uh, my, our first night out, we got that audio that you're about to play. We found suspected foot footprints. I so was in uh, 2014. We found some footprints. Uh, nothing worth casting because the ground's so hard and dry. But good 17, 18 inch tracks going up a steep embankment with a five foot spread. Uh, I was raised hunting. I used to be an avid hunter. I'm not anymore. I'm familiar with with deer tracks and and the normal sign of animals in the woods. And this was was something to bipedal for sure. Uh, That was earlier in the day. Uh, This guy that I was with, he had all the equipment. He had the parabolic gears, the recording equipment. He was kind of a a technical guru. He was good with cameras. He's been researching the area for quite a number of years. Later that night, the first night there, we set up the recording equipment. And before we got it started, I thought I heard in the distance a roar uh, or a yell. And it just didn't sound right to me. It sounded definitely abnormal. And I told him, hey, get that turned on. Let's." I heard something. And not even a few minutes later, it did it again. And it wasn't for a few days later after we listened to it uh, cleaned up and... and on a stereo that we realized what we had. Now, that was right about dark that night, and the rest of the night we didn't hear that anymore. However, we did have some strange things happen. I had set up uh, jingle bells on the fishing line all around the camp perimeter earlier in the day. Uh, Listening to the playback, later the next day we heard something playing with these jingle bells, uh, like something was just tinkering with them. I had them set up in such a way that if something would have walked into the area. It would have, if it hadn't seen them, it would have set them off. It would have caught them around them, wrapped around them, hopefully, is what I was hoping. And we would have really heard it. But something with intelligence snuck up to them and played with them. It was funny, almost like a kid playing with them. We heard it later. I didn't hear it that night, even with the pair of volunteers. We had footsteps in and around the campsite, in the thick brush, uh, just out of sight, out of the campfire. That first night, that was pretty much it. And I'll tell you, when the sun goes down in the monkey On the rim, the whole environment changes. Uh, it gets scary. And as I said, I was an avid hunter years ago. I no longer hunt, but I love the woods, and I'm good in the woods. I've always had good instincts. There was an uneasiness out there, like being watched or you know, just a, a, a guttural fear I had, and I didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable leaving the campsite. <laughs> and for me, being prior military and former law enforcement, you know, I take pride in having guts, <laughs> and uh, that changes out there, really did, especially with all I know anymore from the research I've done. But anyhow, that was the first night out there. Now. The last time we were out was just this past May, and we had an interesting event take place. We didn't hear any yells or roars, but we heard twice through the night at midnight we heard an infant screaming and wailing, like a like an infant. I don't mean a toddler; I mean like a one-month-old baby. And anybody that has kids knows what a colicky baby sounds like. Now, there's people that camp in the area, and I want to put path past somebody to take their kid out there. But it was cold out. It wasn't really camping weather. And plus, we had the parabolic ears. We could not hear any other voices or a mother trying to cure a child. It was eerie. And not only that, it seemed to move through the trees from one direction, out above us, and then behind us within a matter of two minutes. Now, we heard that at midnight. And then we heard it about 3 in the morning. And it went on each time for a few minutes each time. Now, it was about 3 in the morning when it seemed to move around us. And I don't think it was a bait. <laughs> yeah, but it sounded just like a bait.
2: That's interesting.
0: And I've, yeah, I've read stories where other people, other researchers have said they, they mimic children and and infants. Now, I know cougars and ball cats can make it sound like a, a baby, but this was identical to it. You asked what else we found out there. We found the track. We found uh, what looked like there was a boulder that tipped up above where the campsite was, way up on the bridge that I found earlier in the day with moss on it. And you could just see the impression of about a three-foot round sheet where something has been wearing that moss off sitting there watching down there the valley. That was right above where we saw them tracks going up the steep embankment with five foot spread. You know I'm speculating, and i don't I, I can't say for sure, but it leads a lot to the imagination the sightings that have been in that area uh some of the documented sightings of a very large creature
2: that whole area is pretty well known for being a hot spot. Let me play this uh roar. I want to get your take on on what was going through your head when you heard this Here's the roar, and it's looped five times. Going through your mind when you heard that?
0: When I first heard it, before we turned on the the parabolic gear, like I said, we were just getting camped or we were just getting set up to start recording. I heard it with my ear, and it was pretty far off, and I knew it was something on, but I, I wasn't sure what I heard. And we turned on the recorder, and we got it the second time it did it, and it wasn't for a few days after when he had listened to it on his equipment at home and then he sent it to me and I put earbuds on and really got a good listen to it. And it sounded to me, at that time, I my jaw about hit the floor because at first it sounds like a person starting to yell, but then it gets so deep at the end of it that there's, to me, there's no way a man could do that. Somebody with very large lung capacity, you know, I, I can't say for sure what it is, but I can say I don't believe it's a, a human. And uh, I know it's not a fair. And, of course, we had it sent off to uh, another individual. I don't know if we can say them on, on the air or not, you know who I'm talking about, who put the spectrogram to it and compared it to others. Who's that? Uh, David Ellis with the Olympic Project.
2: Oh, yeah, David. Yeah, David's really good. That's who I send my stuff to is David Ellis well, over at the Olympic Project. Well,
0: that's who looped that and cleaned it up uh, the second time. Now, the guy... The guy that I was going out there with, he did it with his equipment, but he wasn't convinced of anything. I talked to a mutual friend of David Ellis's that's friends with me on Facebook, and her name's Julie. She sent it on to David Ellis, and then he gave it the works. He put the spectrogram to it and compared it to other known animals. And well, you read the email I think that he sent me. He felt that it definitely was of interest and it matched other suspected to watch sounds that they had on file. And it didn't match up to any known animals in a spectrogram way. And I'm not a, a spectrogram guy. I really don't know much about all that as far as the decibels and where it's at. But
2: Yeah, basically what he's saying is if there's like a bear, a bear has a certain signature, a wolf has a certain signature, and he's got a library of all the animals, he'll come back and tell you, yeah, that was a bear, that was a wolf. Or he'll come back and tell you he doesn't know, but he actually uses a library of sounds.
0: Right, exactly. And he sent me that information, and I reviewed it. I was happy with it. I know it's not concrete evidence, but to me, it is. And uh, you know, being my first night out with with a real researcher, I, you know, uh, I was happy with it. So I thought your listeners would like it.
2: Yeah, no, I I hope they do. Uh, I enjoyed listening to it. Why do you think they're in the area? Why do you think that they're in that particular area?
0: Well, my personal opinion on it, and though I just recently got to go to the field, I've been into this subject for a long time, and I've read a lot about it, and I've listened to a lot of eyewitness encounters, even before I started listening to your show. And my guess is that there's a lot of them, and they're everywhere. And I think there's different types. And uh, looking back in hindsight, as a kid growing up hunting in the Western Pennsylvania, I look back on some incidents that happened at that time that I didn't know at the time was Sasquatch activity, and I think now they work. Uh, everything from stick structures to the voices you can't make out just over the, the ridge line and the areas I hunted in for years that I knew everybody that hunted there. I, usually when there was people down the ridge or at the hunting camp and I was up on the mountain, you could hear what they were saying. Uh, so I've had that happen a few times marvelous fantastic stick structures where logs were balanced on each other and saplings were twisted together and, and bent over i remember coming across that a few times as the younger as a younger man thinking how did somebody do this now there had not been men up here doing this and, and i knew full well they didn't now all these years later knowing what i know i just think they're everywhere west and you know a lot of places and uh Anywhere that's thick, anywhere that provides good cover, uh, where it's not easily accessible by man, I think they're there.
2: Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think there's a lot more of them out there than most people realize. A lot of researchers will tell you they think that there's a limited amount. I don't think there's a limited amount. And I don't think that, well, i got to be careful what I say there. I think if you if you go looking, you may end up finding them or finding evidence of them.
0: Now, being a truck driver over the road, I've got my camera at the ready, and <laughs> I, I hope I have an encounter, and I hope it's while I'm sitting in the seat and it's outside. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but you know how it is. You, from what I hear, the sightings are usually when you least expect it. But, uh, well, I did want to add one thing that people might find interesting, and that's about the government and their knowledge, How you know, I was in law enforcement, and this was back in the early 90s, and I spent six years. It was a promising career, and I got tired of it and decided I didn't want to do it. But during that six-year tenure, uh, I was a member of the Pennsylvania State Police, and I was a trooper. And at every barracks I was at, on the console at the PCO desk, where, they, where I had to work as a trooper, uh, desk duty, we all did, uh, with a civilian PCO. Uh, maybe one night a week. I got injured at one point point, was on it for weeks. And there's, amongst all the phone numbers, all the government numbers, the tow truck numbers, the ambulance, the the governor's office, out on the right-hand side of every barracks I was at, three different barracks as I knew for sure, because I looked, there's the Bigfoot UFO hotline. And when you're in a career like that, even though I've always been interested in this subject, I didn't talk about this these subjects back then because it was a short way ticket to a shrink and career suicide. But I asked at least one or two older troopers about that number, and of course they smirked and laughed. And well, that's the number you get to the kooks when they call, and it's pretty much the answer to that. I my curiosity got the best of me one night, and I called the number, and sure enough, it was an automated recording asking me my name my information, and a narrative of my encounter, or whatever it is I was calling in for. Of course, I didn't have one, and I hung up on it. And later, I used my credentials, and I called the phone company. And, of course, in the performance of the duties, if you were investigating harassing calls or anything like that, you could get the phone company at that time to trace a number. And I had them research the number, and it went, just memory serves me right, it's been 30 years, it went either to the Department of Agriculture or the Department of the Interior in Washington, D.C. Wow,
2: well, that's interesting.
0: Yes. And now, is that number still at all them barracks? My guess is it is. Now, with the Internet and things have changed, it's been 30 years. I'm sure their whole systems have changed. But that number was at at least three barracks, so that tells me it was at all them. And there's a barracks per county, every county in Pennsylvania. So, uh, yeah, I've always found that intriguing. And that's just a little more evidence to me that the government knows what's going on.
2: Yeah, I have no doubt that they do. I agree with you 100%.
0: Anyhow, I thought you guys would like hearing about that.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, that's something to where you don't hear that too often. But it doesn't shock me, really, to be honest with you. It, It doesn't shock me. I mean, I've talked to tribal police on uh reservations and whenever there's strange ufo or or uh sasquatch related they have a special number they've told me they have a special number to call and then those people deal with it but if you ask them who it is no one seems to know who it is uh that's not that's not the first time i've heard that it's mainly on the tribal lands i've heard that before right right but
0: uh that's pretty much it for me i'm uh the older I get, the more of an obsession it becomes for me. You know, I have my page on Facebook, and I'm trying to work on a website right now. I can get the money up to do that. And, uh, I'm just, I'm very intrigued by it. I, I love it. It's a hobby. And, uh, I hope to get out there more sometime.
2: What's your Facebook page?
0: Well, I have a group called Club of Secrets. In fact, you're you are on there. You just don't look at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I cover everything. Yeah. Everything from Bigfoot to the paranormal and government conspiracies uh just a a hobby of mine
2: and is it open can anyone go check it out or do you got to join
0: it's a a closed group and uh if you're a member you can add anybody Uh, you're on there you're you're an added member so
2: yeah just
0: look it up under my name club of secrets it's uh it's a closed group yeah you have to be added
2: yeah no i appreciate it and i appreciate you coming on ryan i know you're driving right now and you're busy i appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on the show and and share the sound with us and share the experiences. Thank you so much.
0: Well thank you. I appreciate your show and all the, the witnesses that call in. I love it.
2: It's uh
0: it's very worthwhile and, and you, you do us all a service. Thank you. Thanks, brother. All right man. Take it easy.
2: Next up on the show I wanna welcome uh Dan. Uh Dan is in law enforcement, so if you hear the radio in the background, he's actually uh, multitasking at the moment so if you need to break away dan just let me know obviously it's more important than our conversation uh, if some emergency should come up but if you would kind of start from the beginning i know you've had experiences and i took some time and really looked at the video you sent me and i was really interested by that where did you kind of want to start with this with the audience did you want to start with your encounters
3: sure I mean, most of my stuff comes from uh, from guys that I've talked to or friends of mine, uh, just in passing. Uh, kind of in, in our field, it's kind of taboo, so uh, getting guys to talk to you a little bit. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with the amount of guys and uh, police officers you've had on. Maybe if we start with the uh, the newest the newest episode uh, with my buddy out of uh, Georgia.
2: Yeah, let's start there. What? Tell us about that incident. Walk us into it.
3: Right. So in a nutshell, you know, people know that I, I I, believe in Bigfoot, et cetera. So every once in a while I get, uh, you know, a post or a Bigfoot shows up on my Facebook or something like that. And I've known this guy for like 30 years. Well, he, he hits me up on the phone and he says, hey, what's up with the Facebook uh, thing? Is that a joke about Bigfoot? I'm like, no, nah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a real creature. And then he proceeds to tell me that last year he's out hunting in Georgia. And he says he thinks he sees a a bear walking along the tree lines. And uh, he said he brings up his rifle, with scoped. I think he it said it's a uh, three by nine. And he said that uh, he was blown away. He said there's no question. He said it's uh, like seven to eight foot uh, Sasquatch walking along the tree line. That was like it in a nutshell. He said there's no doubt. And he said it's, it's, I know they exist. It was his
2: quote. Did he describe the creature to you?
3: Yeah, you know, he said it was a brownish kind of bear color. And uh, other than the height and big, you know, I didn't really dig into it a whole lot. I just kind of acknowledged it and talked a little bit to him about it, uh, some of the things that I've heard, et cetera. Pretty simplistic, but, I mean, that's pretty credible evidence. I mean, said so he's looking through a 3x9 at something, that no doubt, is a Sasquatch. I could hit him up and probably try and gather some more details maybe about, like, the face or et cetera.
2: And that's interesting. Did he believe in Sasquatch prior to that?
3: I don't think he actually believed in it. I mean, he's, he's open-minded, and he's been a hunter all his life, etc. cetera. Um, the way he tested the water with me, I mean, I've known this guy for 30 years. We've hunted together a ton of times. I mean, obviously, he lives in Georgia, um, but for him to... To test the water like that tells me that you know he probably hadn't told anyone else, and he was probably pretty unsure about the subject before telling me. So, I think he's open-minded, but I don't. I don't think he was quote you know knew it existed until then. I mean, he flat told me that he's. I know they exist,
2: and I know you spent some time as a game warden too, as well prior to getting into law enforcement. Most people may not know your background, but this isn't your first rodeo out in the woods. And you had come across some very interesting footage. Can you talk about that? Where did you come across it, and and what did you think it was when you saw it? Kind of, what's the story behind the video?
3: Yeah, the nutshell is that uh, I have a, a friend that I had assigned to a federal task force. He had a buddy who had been assigned to some gorilla grows in Northern California, and a gorilla grow is where the the cartels really grow marijuana and. The furthest reaches the forest, you know, the further away from civilization, the better. So they go undiscovered. Well, these guys had gone in about 27 miles, I think 22 by quad and then the rest by foot and, and put up trail cameras to try and capture uh, some of this cartel coming in or out tending their gardens. And ultimately, when he retrieved the camera, um, he said when he found it, it was off the tree. You can figure out how that happened. But then he played the video. He said he was absolutely shocked and then he didn't know what to make of it. Well, they brought it to me, and uh, I looked at it, and I I thought that you know, it's not conclusive, but it sure definitely looks like some type of uh, bipedal animal. I mean, you've got an arm, you've got a leg. I think you can see a hand at some point. The hair looks really coarse, but the structure's not right for a bear. Unfortunately, it's, it's a pretty short clip. I think he had it set on probably about 10 seconds, because obviously they want... These cameras—they're not going to trek that far back in, you know, every other week to check them. So they—they they have them set on short clips.
2: Yeah, it was interesting when I was looking at it. It didn't look like what it reminded me of. I probably watched it a hundred times last night. I slowed it down. I, I and, I'll, and I'll put it up on the website. But what was interesting is it really reminded me of an orangutan sitting there throwing leaves almost on top of the camera. Is that kind of what you you, you thought you saw?
3: It looks to me like it's it's purposely placed the camera, in the leaf pile and is is grabbing a handful of leaves and putting it over top of the camera. It looks like it's a, an intelligent uh, attempt to conceal the trail cam, and I, I don't know what could do that. I don't know what could reach up and rip it off the tree. Uh, it definitely looks to me like it's it's standing bipedally. The structure of the arm etc doesn't look anything like a bear to me. I mean, it's just the bend is wrong.
2: Yeah, the bend is wrong. The color's wrong. The hair's wrong. And if that's a suit, that's one hell of a suit.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I tried to slow it down a little bit, but it looks like the the hair uh, thins out in the abdominal region and uh, is, is pretty uniform throughout the arm, but kind of like a, a coarse. Uh, we you able to see the hand. Or the thumb
2: at one point. I did. Yeah. Does that looked like a hand I to did. you. Yeah, it did. It def- definitely looked like a hand. Remind me of a orangutan. Really, it re- remind me of a ring You know, orangutans have hands very similar to ours, and that's right. really what I thought when I first saw it. I was like, "Well, that's kind of weird." But then you hear about where it's at, and you're like, "I don't think a orangutan's going to survive out there." If you don't believe in Bigfoot, I guess a is the only other f- explanation. What got you interested in this whole topic? What really piqued your your interest in it?
3: I'd have to say it goes probably way back to the Patterson, the Patty film, Um, as a kid. I mean, seeing that, and then being a you know lifetime hunter, fisher, etc. I've always kind of had a curiosity about uh, the unknown, and specifically Bigfoot, just because it's a mystery, and uh, you know, obviously that's kind of the thing I like to do, based on what I do is is to dive in and try and solve mysteries. So I'm just intrigued by it. And, you know, the evidence, I like doing the research. I like putting things together and, uh, you know, formulating what I think. I don't have any doubt. I mean, I've never seen one, but that's what I do. I put together pieces of the pie, you know, crime scenes, uh, et cetera. You know, we weigh the evidence. And to me, there's absolutely no doubt that, Sasquatch exist. I mean, we take people to, to trial and, and get victim of murder on less evidence. And yet we're going to say that uh, with all this evidence that that it's not a proven animal. is just, to me, it's ludicrous.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of glad you said that. And I've, I was talking to a skeptic the other day, and I don't mind skeptics at all, uh, but I was talking to a skeptic the other day, and I said, just take three months and look into this. And if after three months you're convinced This is all BS, I'll accept what you have to say, but just take three months, give it an honest shake, and go out there, look at some of these track casts, listen to some of the eyewitnesses, and come back and tell me what you think. And after three months, he came back and he said, you know what, I I think it probably exists now. He goes, I thought it was a joke before, but I didn't realize the amount of evidence that is actually out there. And I know you yourself have heard uh, tree knocks and footsteps and... If, 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 you know you've experienced the fear was that when you were out hunting
3: no nah, i was actually i had gone on a an expedition with a, a group and uh the first night i was there the or two two foot just two but big wide stride heavy footsteps outside the tent and i mean it, i can't say for sure what it was but i mean you know we're we're humans. We know what people sound like. We know what bipedal sounds like when we walk. And you know, especially hunters, that's you know we gauge animals with what's coming. You know, it's how you tell for the most part by listening to the pattern of the step or et cetera. And it was obviously to me something big, heavy, and bipedal. Later that morning or in the next morning, I went out there and there were two uh, big impressions. But it only looked like the heel was there. Uh, no toes. Nothing else discernible and the next night was a massive tree knock i mean it sounded like uh you know will clark had let loose on a tree <laughs> yeah it was just insane i mean i've no I've, I've heard a lot of people you know hit trees i've hit trees with with something but i've never heard anything like that i mean it was a massive crack and then there was a a secondary probably 100 yards away that was uh it seemed like to be a reply to that we had gone out on a, a night hike, and three of us had broken away from the, uh, the group. And uh, I'm pretty confident in the woods. I mean, I've been out at night many a time going to my you know tree stand at O'Dork 30. It doesn't really faze me. Um, and I've been in a lot of uh, hairy situations. I mean, I've I've been doing search, watching the house with the homicide suspects with the SWAT team. And uh I've never experienced fear like that. I had to do combat breathing to reel myself in, and I have no idea. I mean, I was just walking through the forest. Everything was cool. We're just looking around, and then all of a sudden, just this overwhelming fear. I mean, I wanted to run. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. Honestly, until I listened to your show, started listening to people describe that over and over again, I I didn't put two and two together. I just kind of thought, you know, I freaked myself out, but after listening to that you and other people talk about it, it started making sense as as to why. And it was just crazy. Insane fear for no reason.
2: Yeah, and that fear is really hard to describe to someone that hasn't experienced it. You know, I have had guys on the show uh that have been in combat and had, you know, bullets flying past their head and they say the fear that they experienced what you're talking about, uh Dan, is is compare compare that to battle they'll take shots flying over their head any day of the week and twice on Sunday compared to what they experienced. And I've been trying to look into that and try and figure out what is causing that, what is causing this deep, scary fear to hit us because you hear a lot of people experience that. I mean, I've had some of the biggest, baddest guys on the planet on the show and they'll break down in tears because they were out there. They had overwhelming fear. They couldn't explain it. And all they wanted to do is run and I don't think a lot of these guys. I don't think they've ever run from anything ever in their life.
3: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I've, I've been a SWAT team for sixteen years. I've done many and many entries for bad guys. I've, I've been shot at. I've had rounds fly past my head. Nothing even close. I mean, not combat. I'm not. I mean, those what those guys do in combat is totally different. I mean, I can't even imagine that. But I've been in the uh, the oh shit moments. Numerous times in my life And nothing even close to that I mean yeah I was scared When, when rounds are flying by and stuff I was definitely concerned But it wasn't like this I just want to get up and run Not even close
2: What happened to your dad?
3: He was uh, he was up around Silver Lake Which is the El Dorado National Forest Off Highway 88 And uh, he's a lifetime hunter fisher that's, that's where I got it from I mean he spent Hours and hours in the woods um, and he's one of those old school guys. I mean, I've, I've never seen him really be afraid of anything. But he told me he was walking down a trail at night. And I don't know if he was going to take a leak or what he was going to do. Um, but he said something in the middle of the trail. He said he could see a big shadow and he said it made, he made the noise and he more like a, oof, oof. He said it did that twice at him and he said he felt it shake. His, uh, his insides, he said it scared the absolute crap out of him and he turned and burned. He said he ran, ran away. So he didn't, he didn't know what it was, had no idea. Um, he wasn't closed minded. Um, we talked about, you know, possibility of Sasquatch or whatever. I mean, he'd never confirm or anything like that, but he's like, I don't know what it was, but it's something I've never experienced before. He said, it scared me. And, uh. He was armed at the time. He had, he had a gun on his hip, et cetera, and they're hunting. And for him to turn I around, mean, that, that's quite a bit.
2: Yeah, that is quite a bit. And I've always wondered about that grunting, too. I'm starting to think that grunting sound is more or less a uh, I'm here, not necessarily an aggressive, t- even though it feels aggressive when, when they do it. Uh, but I'm starting to think maybe that's not so much aggressive, more like I'm here, you're there. Uh, we recognize each other, and, and again, I could be completely mm-hmm. wrong, but just from listening to witnesses that's that's the first thing I have started to realize a little bit with that grunting um You had a friend of yours uh who's also in law enforcement that had a gold claim what What happened with that
3: so they're in the uh they're up in Trinity he was up there for a while as an officer um, and he was working a claim that's one of his hobbies, so I guess there are seven to ten miles back into to some area, and they were working a uh, a pool, and he said the pool was pretty deep and it had a big rock overhang. He said they had experienced some screams that that they'd never heard anything like it before. He said he could feel it. but he said they chalked it up to you know kids or they didn't know. just said they didn't really concern themselves went on doing their job and he said he was um, underwater working the dredge. And he said that a big boulder came bombing down into the pool. Obviously, when it it hit the water, it got his attention. He said he saw it come floating down. He said it was was pretty good size, like basketball size. And he said it was probably throwing 30 feet away from the ledge. Um, I don't think he really believes in Sasquatch. I mean, I think he just kind of doesn't really think about it. But I kind of started mapping it out to him. I'm like, you know hey, you're, you're seven to ten miles in from nowhere. What, what are some kids going to be doing out there? You haven't seen anyone for days. You hear screams beforehand and then you have a massive boulder. I don't know how much something like that would weigh, but you know flies 30 feet off of the, the overhang out into the area where we're at and hits the water. But uh, I, I mean it could be someone back in there playing games, but for, to me, I mean that kind of points in one direction.
2: And that's an interesting encounter too, because you hear that a lot. I just had a encounter sent to me. These guys going down a river, and they were getting basketball sized rocks thrown at them. So he decided to start up the, the the boat, take off, and the creature stepped out and chased them. And he said, "You know, we were doing like thirty miles an hour down this river, and this, and it was following us on the shoreline. No problem keeping up with us. And so it's scary, man. Some of the things that they do is uh, terrifying." I wanted to ask you about your friend out there in California, and he was telling you about an encounter he had when he was riding his motorcycle.
3: Yeah. that. us uh, see. We'll call him Dave. So, Dave also is in uh, law enforcement, uh, and I guess he's around 12 years old in the Quincy area. Uh, he said he was riding his motorcycle on some backlogging road. And he said that, uh, I mean, he just put it bluntly he said, I, I know the real Bigfoot ran down. I guess it was like a thirty foot embankment on both sides. So the road had been curved through the mountain, but he said it ran down the embankment, crossed the road in like one step, and then up the other side and out of view. And he said there was no no question. So I didn't think it was a bear, I didn't I knew that it was a Bigfoot. There was no question.
2: Yeah, and that, and usually that's how some of these encounters happen. They're usually really quick like that, but they are life changing. Have you do you work rural areas? You know, have, now as a officer?
3: Yeah. I have rural areas, but I'm not in mountainous terrain. I mean we do we have a small mountain range in in the, in our county, but other than that it's mainly a wooded river bottoms areas, things like that. So we don't we don't get any experiences down here as far as uh possible Bigfoot or anything like that.
2: When you were a game warden, did you ever come across to anything strange?
3: Uh came across a lot of stuff strange, but, uh, as far as Bigfoot, I-, I would say the only thing that I ever really investigated that gave me some pause was that one time I, I took where a horse had been killed. Um, they were thinking a mountain lion, but man, it was a-, a big horse. They moved it before I got there. So I didn't get a chance to see it, but just, uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's possible a mountain lion can take down a horse. I'm sure they can, but just didn't seem right to me. Other than that, um, yeah, lots of crazy stuff, but nothing. You know, I never heard anyone talk about Bigfoot. Actually, I think the wardens, you know, to be truthful, I think they're still uh, – still, they don't still want to talk about it. It's still taboo amongst them because I still hunt with the, a lot of my game-worn buddies, and, you know, I still catch a lot of flack from them uh, about Bigfoot. And you would think that those guys are out there enough uh, – would experience stuff or, or be more open-minded. But I think it's maybe it's got a, a taboo within the agency. And so they're afraid to talk about it if they
0: do have an experience.
2: Yeah. Being in law enforcement, why do you think it, it's so taboo? You know, sometimes I'll talk to police officers. Um, one that comes to mind is the Georgia uh, cast that was taken by the cop. And he was so bent out of shape going out there. He thought these people were crazy. He, they're talking about monkeys, uh, banging on their home. He was, And he was just irritated going out there every time until he actually decided to start taking a look around. And he's one that casted the Elkins Creek cast. It's one of the most famous casts out there because it has dermal ridges in it. Um, but prior to that, it was taboo. It was, you know, it was a pain in the butt. He didn't want to go out and have to deal with it. Why, why do you think that is?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think across uh, society in general... Anything that's unknown or anything that uh, is foreign and that society is, is named as hoax or uh, mythical or something like that, they're afraid to to be abnormal. I mean, because uh, I, I take heat all the time. I mean, people always joke about it. But when I, you know, I put the screws to them and lay out some facts and then I ask them, you know, tell me, tell me you think that those things, how did those things, you know, play out? Explain that to me. I think they kind of come away from it a little less thinking it's taboo. I think it's, it's from lack of knowledge. I I truthfully think they don't, they don't look into it. And so they're ignorant on the situation. And so they just make fun of it because we make fun of what we don't know of the unknown. As far as cops, I don't think it's, I don't know, maybe because they're supposed to be bigger, tougher and all knowing. I, I don't know. It definitely seems like it's more taboo in those circles though.
2: Yeah. It's interesting though. It's, it's, um, You'd be shocked how many cops listen to the show. Uh, I was shocked. I get, I get emails all the time from cops that listen to the show. And so I think even with all the jokes and all the smirks and all of the everything else out there, uh, a lot of those guys like to listen to the show. They, they're they intrigued by it, um, and, which is a good thing. And I want I wish more police officers did listen to the show because sometimes when they go out to these rural areas and you run into a situation that just doesn't make sense... If for it to be a person, uh, you know, it's nice to go, well, maybe it's this, you know, or maybe it's that, or maybe it could be a Sasquatch, you know, what, what's really going on out here. But if you don't have, if you're not open to any of that, then it's nothing.
3: Right. Trying to force a, you know, square pug in a round hole.
2: Yeah.
3: I had, when I was out on that, that one event, uh, the night that I got freaked out, really scared, I saw a white light out there, and it it was like a soft glow, and I I still can't explain it. And so I don't know if it's tied at all these things. I have no idea. It was just really weird. It looked like a basketball size, and it was like a really soft glow, like if someone had put a flashlight under a sheet or something like that. But there was no camps there, no, no nothing. And I watched it for, for quite a while and until I just, just, like, well, I'm not walking over there. There's no way that's happening. So I just walked out. Just odd food for thought, I guess.
2: Yeah, no, it is food for thought. It is something. That's the other thing, you know, a Sasquatch aside. I think people run into those lights. And I always kind of thought BS on the lights until I seen them myself. And exactly how you describe them, Dan, is exactly what we saw. It's almost like a real soft... Um, ambient. It's it's a hard light to describe. It's not like a flashlight. It's not a, a it's not really a big bright light. I mean, it, it is a bright light, but it's not. You know what I mean? It's more ambient color and color. I don't know what those things are. The only advice I'd give you on those is I know Woody and I decided to chase one one night and it ended up chasing us back. And there was more than one that chased us back. Um, and it scared the hell out of us. And, and to this day, I couldn't tell you what it was. It wasn't, um, you know the size of a basketball, maybe soccer ball something like that uh just kind of floating around out there, and I was in the same boat as you there was no there was no campers down there, there was no fires, there was no homes, it wasn't a car uh it was just this round light just kind of chilling in the forest and uh it creeped me out it really creeped me out yeah i
3: was I was concerned i mean i I ran a bunch of stuff through my head, thinking all right, it's just like some state. Panic, cold, out in the middle of the you know, the forest here, and they're gonna sacrifice someone. Or but right. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see any movement around it, other than just this this glow. It was just. It was odd, weird.
2: And I've been trying to look into those too, but it's hard to come up with information. Now, the night that you talk off running, that you were in fear, was that the same night you saw the light?
3: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't run. I.
2: Or you felt you felt like running?
3: Yeah, I wanted to run. Yeah. I, uh, you know, but I knew that if you run, that's prey instinct. And I was, you know, I hadn't listened to your show yet, so I didn't know they were as, as uh, could be as violent as they, they could be. But I definitely knew I didn't want to run. Um, so I just stayed in place and, until I could gather myself, which which took about a minute of combat breathing to, to pull it back in. But it was uh, it was like nothing I've ever experienced.
2: Well, hopefully other people come forward and talk about the lights too as well. You know through through all your research and everything and look kind of looking into this what what do you think Sasquatch is Dan
3: ancient hominid i I don't know. I think it's been around for a long time it, I mean it just it dates too far back to to you know, be some spaceship teleporting creature or something I think it's someone something indigenous here. maybe came across the land bridge at some point, maybe related to to Blackie. I don't know, I definitely think it's
2: flesh and blood. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. It's so hard to say what what it is. Uh but I tend to agree with you on on that. You know, I think it's flesh and blood and people need to be aware when they're out there because, you know, I, there's always been this uh for the longest time ever since the Patterson-Gimlin film came out, I've noticed people would talk about them as being, you know, the friendly forest giant. And I can tell you that, that that's not always the case. Now, are they always godless killing machines ready to slaughter anyone they get their hands on? I don't believe that. But I think that if you do cross one uh, on a bad day, they, you know, just like a cougar, just like a bear, just like anything else, they're going to come and and uh, teach you a lesson.
3: Yeah, up until your show, I mean, I, I was of that mindset. You know, I never thought you know, I thought they were big and you know, ominous looking, but I never knew of the propensity for violence and things like that. I mean obviously a wild animal, but um I'll tell you what, after listening to your show and some of the encounters, um, I definitely check my six a whole lot more than I did before. And I'm thinking about upgrading my uh my side cannon from a forty to something else. Not that I, you know, want to shoot one or even want to see one, but you know I'll be honest, I'm I'm concerned, yeah. I'm definitely going to be thinking about it when I'm when I'm out on my next uh, hunt.
2: Well, stay in contact with me, will you? And, and let me know if you come across anything else strange. I mean, I, even if it's strange lights. I don't know how much time you have. I know you're working right now, and we can go into this another time. But when you're a game warden, Sasquatch related or not, what's like the weirdest thing you ran into while you were out there?
3: <laughs> Probably not for for your podcast. I mean, if you want me to tell you what the strangest thing I actually ran into, I can tell you, but it's, uh, there's it a guy, <laughs> this guy had hauled out a garbage can, filled it with styrofoam, drilled a hole in it, wedged it between his truck tire, and, uh, and was proceeding to have at the, uh, the garbage can hole.
2: And was proceeding to do what?
3: He was screwing the garbage can that was wedged between his tire and his oh, truck uh, <laughs> fender flare. Wow. A lot of stuff crazy like that, you know. I, I was on a night flight one night and I, again, uh, called away for a possible spotlighter. And when I returned to where I was sitting, uh, I parked and there were some some wires going up from underneath my truck. So I thought, man, someone maybe someone put a bomb down here or something. Someone had put a butt plug there. So I don't know if I scared them off. They had pulled in there and took off when I was coming up the hill, but there was a butt plug that was still vibrating. On the ground underneath my truck, and I'm not in the middle of sticks. Most of the stuff is like weird stuff, is sexually uh, related. Uh, I did have an experience up in, uh, I was near an Indian uh, burial ground, and we were doing a night flight as well. And uh, I started hearing things, you know, I was seeing uh, like shadows move from rock to rock. I kind of got freaked out on that. That one was a little creepy. I was thinking I was hearing like whispers and voices in distance. That was pretty freaky.
2: You never know what you're going to run out there. I always tell people, you know, it's, uh, I think a lot of people, because I don't go too much into the paranormal on the show, they think I don't believe in it, but that's, that's anything beyond what I actually believe. I do believe that goes on. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sometimes in those areas, you know, beyond even just paranormal stuff, you run into crazy nut jobs. I mean, who, who, it, you know, screws, a, a garbage can uh, in the middle of the, you know what I mean? That's automatic handcuffs, and let's do a drug test on you real quick and just see what, what's in your system. Yeah, I would imagine you run into some of those those types. And the other thing, too, is, you know, I've come across poachers in the woods, and I thought, thank God I'm not a game warden, because I kind of think these guys might kill a game warden if they come across one. So you just never know who you run into. And it's like I used to always tell my kids, the type of person you run into at 1 o'clock in the afternoon is completely different than the type of person you'll run into at 1 a.m., night and day, uh, for whatever reason. And so, you know, out there in the woods, you just never know what you're going to run into or what you're going to...
3: It's a chess match. And I'll be honest, my time as a game warden was uh, much more... Harry than even, you know, my, my ears on SWAT, the sniper, uh, you know, I've never done anything here that is as hinky as be a warden because you're in the middle of the sticks at night, no one knows where you're at. Um back in the old days, on I was down in Rancho Cucamonga and uh on the weekends and after five, I would talk to Sacramento, would be my dispatch. And so I would say, you know, Fifty-three, eleven. I'll be out with five subjects with uh, rifles at this location, and the dispatcher'd come back and say uh ten-four. What county's that in? So you know, there's no help. You know, there's no cavalry. You're you're it.
2: Yeah, you're on your own. Yeah,
3: yeah. So you, your officer safety and your ability to read people and and figure out what's up. Yeah, you either evolve or you die.
2: <laughs> well, thank you for your service, and and thank you so much for. Coming on the show and, and sharing it, you know, it's uh I'd love to sit down with a beer with you sometime and just talk about some of the different things you run into out there, you know, beyond Sasquatch. And that's a warning I always give people, you know, it's a, go out armed. Just because you never know who you're gonna run into, you never know what you're gonna run into, especially out in those woods. And you're and you know this firsthand. You're out there, you're on your own. I mean most of the places I go, there is no cell phone service. There is no nine one one. So you come across some crazy guy, you know, it could potentially be a battle out there in the woods, and no one's going to know about it for a couple hours.
3: Oh, there's predators, just like in the animal kingdom. And obviously we're animals too, but there are absolutely predators that, that look for those types of situations, that, that run those back roads that are waiting for that broken down, you mm-hmm. know, girl or guy or whatever, and just are deviants. I mean, there are very sick people in this world. And they're just waiting for that opportunity. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I I pack no matter where I go because I don't want to have the, and not so much for myself, but for the protection of others. I don't want to have to say that you know yeah I was at the mall or wherever where you know 30 people got shot up, but I was too lazy to to bring my gun. So you know I had to stand there and watch versus stop it. So for me, that's the motivation.
2: Yeah. Well, definitely. And keep in touch with me on the show and let me know if you ever uh, do come across anything in the future just when you're out or if you get an interesting call. uh, Let me know, will you? I'd love to hear about it.
3: Yeah, no problem. I'll reach out to some uh, some hail guys and see if I can't get them to to give something up.
2: I appreciate that, man. Thanks so much, Dan, for coming on.
3: All right,
2: Wes. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. Please go check out the website. Become a member. SasquatchChronicles.com. Get additional shows and look for merchandise right around the beginning of September. Have a good night, everyone. I'll see you next time.